if I make a family feel that much more comfortable and they don't have to go through what you were talking about, I, I just feel so good about it. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Good afternoon, Care Heroes. Today I've got an exciting guest. Her name is Kimber Westmore, and she created something called PillMap, and it's something we all need, and thanks for joining me, Kim. Kimber, My sorry. Pleasure. No problem. <laughs> People do that. They shorten my name, too, so it's just automatic. So before we talk about the pill map, I keep trying to call it pill mill. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your, it was your father's illness that was kind of the inspiration for creating the pill map. It was my father, my mother, and my mother-in-law that all were hit at about the same time within a three-month period my dad, who already had dementia, um, collapsed with a, a heart condition. And my mother fell and broke her neck. And my mother-in-law was diagnosed with four stage. It was her third round of cancer, but the one that really, um, the metastatic breast cancer that um, ended up being so rough. So I had three very independent parents one day and within three months, and I know you and I spoke about having that year, yours was 2017, right? Um, this was three years ago. All three of them went from completely independent traveling and, you know, having their, their fun and, and me doing my life. <laughs> and um, suddenly we had to, we had, three different parents in three different hospitals. We had, of course, the medications to deal with. We had, it was basically like learning a new language overnight. And I still haven't learned Spanish and I've been trying to do that forever. <laughs> it was, it was so beyond my level of um, just, my brain, I just could not wrap my brain around everything that I needed to digest. And I had three brothers. Um, we had a tragedy. My, my oldest brother actually um, died of a heart attack the day my mom broke her neck. Oh, my gosh. So we had both of those calls within a couple hours. So it, it's just, it was like, if you could picture a movie, it was complete and total chaos. Um, and I'm the only daughter. So I have a brother who's a doctor who lives in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and it was very helpful, but not really very helpful because he's so far away. Uh, but at least he could talk to the doctors and decipher some of the things. And then I have four grown children. One daughter's a nurse and the other three are all well into their careers. And my point of that is everyone is pretty smart, you know, doing life. And I felt like collectively we'd be able to figure this out. And uh, when they were in the hospitals, we were managing uh, visiting schedules and decision schedules and all of that. But the worst part of it was when they sent them home. And they, 
make the decision that they're ready to go home and, you, you know, our mouths were just dropped open, how could you possibly think that they're ready to go home? But then we received, uh, so now my full, most of my focus was my mom and dad in their own home. And so we had to manage family members, paid caregivers, you know, you know, the, mm -hmm. the story. And I think that um, just pulling it back and narrowing it down to my father, my father, because of the dementia, um, he, it, it was in some ways so much harder, but in some ways it was easier because he was more like a child that I could make all these decisions for. And, um, he accepted just the stage he was at. I know everyone experiences a completely different person when they go through dementia, Alzheimer's, but my dad went through early stage, very angry, very um, suspect. You know, he thought everyone was stealing his money. My mom got the brunt of it uh, because she was just there with him all the time. So originally we tried to get some help and get someone in there so that my dad could get mad at someone else other than my mom. So I was trying to protect my mom initially. But then my dad, um, after the, the um, heart issue, and when he came home, he was essentially bedridden. And we set him up in the living room so he wouldn't be in there with my dad. And we set up this the best we could. You know, you do the best you can. So we set up what, you know, big screen TV and, and the whole bit. And... Um, he was not able to get out of bed. So he was confined and relatively happy because his mind was just kind of accepting like a child that we were coming and going. So people, uh, I've, I've written this before that, you know, for my dad, who was a brilliant aerospace engineer that lived in a, you know, perfectly controlled world. He built their house. He, you know, he, he, amazing, smartest man I know was now completely dependent and, you know, talking about, can you, can you go touch that person's, can you touch her face? You know, he'd be watching the TV and he would have us do crazy things that we would just do. So, um, my dad finally passed away at 93 after the, so he had two years completely bedridden Oof. and with Alzheimer's and all of us collectively trying to figure that out. Um, Pill Mapta um, really was inspired by the whole situation, but Pill Map, he was on hospice. So the pills were reduced to almost nothing. Um, but for my mom, who was on multiple medications, we had uh, numerous visits, 911 visits to the emergency rooms. Um, we witnessed so many other families showing up at the emergency room. And it seemed like the only thing that I could control was keeping her from being over or under medicated and um, communicating her medications properly when she you know, 
showed up at emergency or first responders showed up at our house or, uh, you know, my niece was taking care of her and needed to know something. We created that this one basic guide that stays with the patient at all times. And um, so that's been our journey. That's the, every time I, I see my mom, which was today, and we almost ended up in emergency. I just think, you know, we're doing the best we can for her and we're protecting her um, as well as we can. And it's just the journey. Yeah, my dad had a spreadsheet that he'd put together in his computer. And regular listeners know I'm also a professional photographer. So I'm a very visual, creative person. I don't mm. do spreadsheets. <laughs> It's like, right. if I need a spreadsheet, I send that over. I hey, hear hubby, you do it. This is, not, this is not something I can tolerate figuring out how to do. Just, I don't need the frustration. Not going to do it. So when he was home after his month in the hospital, and as we were talking offline, my husband and my sister and I, and we're all, you know, very smart people as well. My sister's got an MBA. You know, my husband and I run our own businesses. So you know, it's like, we're not dumb. I don't, I don't think most people are. Mm-hmm. We were struggling with the keep these, this list of medications, stop these, change these, and add these. And part of it was, you know, we're flipping through the paperwork from the hospital, trying to, you know, get the right bottle with the right paperwork and the right dosage. And, and it was so stressful. And it was like, I don't know for sure that, we ever got it right. You know, I, I don't have the confidence that, that we did get it right. He ended up falling like within a week and he ended up at a different hospital and then he ended up home on hospice. So we ended up in the same place with somebody else was dealing with the medications. There was a lot right. less of them um, because he'd had a kidney transplant. He had anti-rejection meds. And my sister want, really wanted him to stay on his insulin because when your blood sugar is out of whack, you know, an average person like you and I, we just get hangry, might be a little unpleasant to deal with. But, you know, people that are diabetic, I mean, when his blood sugar is out of whack, he was horrible. Right. So we didn't want him to feel horrible or act horrible to the caregivers because, you know, nobody needs all that. So, and that was enough challenge because they're not allowed to do the injection and, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, wow, it was just insane. Right. So I'm gonna put a picture of the pill map on the show notes and link to the video because the video is awesome. So, but can you kind of describe what it is? Because yes, I seriously wish we'd had this. Okay, well, the first thing that that um I have found that people mistake our pill map for is a pill box. So it's not a pill box. And we do, our family, we really believe in the pillbox because we would fill, my mom's pillbox has um, morning, noon, dinner, nighttime. It has the four. And so we fill it for the entire week. And I sometimes will just sit there and fill it for, I'll fill two of them, you know, for a couple weeks. And that way, at least the caregiver or whoever's with my mom um, can pretty confidently pull that set of eight pills out in the morning or five at dinner. But pill map is basically 
your map. It's just a guide. And the way it works is it replaces that Excel sheet that you were talking about. It replaces the we I've seen every version of it. I've seen people write on paper and color code it, but the way it started for us is we finally decided the only way we were going to not mismedicate our own parents, which we, we actually did ourselves mismedicate them is we took one of each pill, whether it was cut in half or if it was a blue and white pill, or if there were two white ones that kind of look alike, but we took a piece of paper and we taped one of each pill. So if, if someone was taking one pill four times a day, we just had that one, but then to the right of it, we had the name of the pill and then each time of day that they would have to take them. So anyone that was with my mom at any time could look at that and see okay, this is correct. Because my mom would say, I don't think I'm supposed to take the blue and white pill anymore. Mm -hmm. And then that person could say, well, let's look, Joy. Let's look at that pill. And then, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, you're supposed to take it in the morning. So it progressed and we kept putting more information on it, like the doctor's information, things she was allergic to, um, you know, the pharmacy information, her insurance information, the date of her birth. So we just kept improving it just for our own family purpose. And then um, we'd show up in the emergency room. We'd show up at the doctor, even the dentist. We would show up with what we called the pill map. And we would get rave reviews. The people in the hospital, well, first of all, the first responders, the ambulance guys that would come in. And the first thing they want to know is, you know, she can't speak for herself. She's passed out or whatever. And she's asked, they're asking the family, what medications is she on? We would just hand the pill map and we'd just be quiet. And they would rave about it and they would just type it in and they knew everything they, they needed to know. So then when we show up at the hospital in the emergency room, we'd do the same thing. And the discharge or the intake nurse would just lay it next to the computer and we would watch as other, I don't know how many emergency rooms your listeners have been into, but probably too many. <laughs> there's, there's, you're seeing other families come in and you're, you're watching, you know, as they're intaking people and people come in with bags of pills, big baggies of pills. Um, they come in with those sheets they come in with mostly, I don't know, I just grabbed these on my mom's dresser because they were here. No one knows, and it stalls. My mom, when she broke her neck, she had already um, had AFib, so we were already starting, you know, having a clear um, vision of what we needed to, to um, let the doctors know. So they needed to know she was on blood thinners, right? So they had to wait three days to operate on her when she broke two of her vertebrae completely in half yep. because she was on all these blood thinners. But, you know, there's all this stuff that's like emergency. You have to make a decision right now for that person. And you need to know what's in their body. What medications are they taking? So uh, we, my brother, who's a doctor said, I think that you need to perfect this a little more and try to get it out there to, to the public and we're kind of entrepreneurs anyway. Um, my real life business is fire life safety training. And my husband and I cre created an online training um, 
course and, and it's now another company owns it. But, um, so we put it together, put it into patent, um, pending and took it to some of the hospitals. So we took it to UCLA, USC, um, Hollywood press. We took it to where we live, you know, just the local hospitals. I took it to the pharmacy school, USC's uh, school of pharmacy solely to get feedback. This was before we ever made them. And the response was amazing. So all of those that I mentioned are using them with um, patients to just simplify and make, take that out of the equation when you're trying to get people healthy. Um, so they're, they're doing these pilots. We just brought it out um, December 16th of 2018. It just went live. And like I said, the hospitals that we've approached are all using it already. And it's not sold in pharmacies, but it's sold on Amazon. There's some companies selling it on Amazon because they, they believe it should be used for travel. You know, if you travel anywhere and you take a lot of medications, it's just that it's a card. And it measures about, if you're trying to picture it, about nine inches tall by seven inches wide. But the, the unique thing about it is, are these little clear windows that show the one of the pills. So it's the 3D, it's the actual pill. You can see, oh, that pill has a little C on it, or that pill you know, has this line on it. So you don't mistake one pill for another, which is also a huge issue. Um, My dad had a ton of white ones, slightly different sizes. And when we brought him home from the hospital the first time, he had pills in a pill box. So we had to figure out which pills these were. Okay, so you got your day, they're all mixed up. So we had to separate the pills, try to figure out which pill it was, put them back in the pill. Oh, my God. I know, and there's apps. So that happened to us. We actually spilled some pills originally and we went on and there's apps that are universally um you know that anyone can use them and you go on the website and you type in your description of the pill and then they show you the pills and that did help us but for us it was just no i want to see the 3d pill i i want to know confidently um it just gives you so much peace of mind that um that you know whoever is with my loved one. Um, and I have, I talked to a lot of spouses. We've done a lot of research. And so spouses who's maybe they each take a number of pills plus supplements, they have no idea because they're both very competent, independent people on their own. They have no idea what the their spouse is taking. So it just shocked me when I started really looking into this you know, this person pours her pills in a jewelry box and she knows she just goes around it one time. And I asked the husband, (laughs) you know, and she's, it works for her. But I said, what if something happened to her one day and you needed to relay that information and they had no idea what the other took. So, um, that's probably what I'm having most fun with is just asking people how they how they keep track of their pills. <laughs> That's the craziest story I've ever heard. Throwing no. Them the- oh no, it's not the great. I can tell you. <laughs> okay. Well tell us a couple more. Cause those sound fun. <laughs> there's so many. So there's, there's people that, that literally they'll put them in a, um, a baggie 
right? And this is for traveling. So they don't put them in. I'm a little bit, I'm not type A at all. I'm very sort of sanguine and, you know, it things just work out. But with pills, I think I would put them if they weren't like a Tylenol or a vitamin, I think I would keep them in separate baggies. So people have shown me, they pull out of their purse and they'll have just a baggie with, you know, multiple colors of pills. And it's not even just like one day supply. It's just, they just put them in their purse because they know <laughs> if they're it's out a grab of bag. <laughs> yeah. It's a grab bag. So we ourselves, um, when I said we mismedicated our, my, our parents, I took, my mom was having a really rough time. And so I, I somehow managed to get her into the doctor and we're sitting there and I showed him our pill map and he looked at it. And this is, this was so great. He said, this pill is supposed to be cut in half. You're not supposed to be taking this whole pill. And I said, how would I know that? And he said, well, let, let me look. So he looks on the computer and it says 0.5, 50 milligrams, metropolol or digoxin or whatever it was. So I said, wait a minute, 0.5. I'm supposed to read that in this tiny little print on my white printout sheet. I take it to the pharmacy. They give me these pills and I'm supposed to know to cut that in half. So, you know, I can go on and on about how um, easy I think it would be to fix that kind of communication. But as a user, the only way I can protect myself and, and my parents, you know, and the people I love is with PillMap as far as medications, because now when we go to the pharmacy, we just bring that in and we say, take a look at this. Is this what you think we're supposed to be taking? You know, the last time my mom went in the hospital was two weeks ago and I did not go with her. My brother did. And I got a call from the hospital pharmacist and he said, I have this thing in my hand. Um, and I said, oh, the pill map. And he's like, yeah, I don't know where she got this, but um, I have on the computer that she should be taking metropolol, but I don't see metropolol in here. And I said, that's because she does not take metropolol and is not supposed to. That was something she was on a year ago. Well, he said, it's still on the computer. So <laughs> my computers are the end all of correctness. <laughs> well, there's something within, I don't understand it, but someone tried to explain it to me, a young student of pharmacy that there's something that happens when doctors prescribe something for a patient. There's a real reluctance um, within the system to pull that out of the computer um, if because they might want to then re-prescribe it. So what that does is it causes, since my mom showed up at a hospital that's not her hospital, and they tried to reconcile by going into her universal records, it shows that she should be taking metropolol three times a day, which was completely wrong. So this is why we have to protect ourselves. That's the system. Ugh, the system sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because you were saying the pharmacist is like, no, you're this is supposed to be half this pill. 
um, about a month or about six weeks ago, my husband ended up with blood clots in his lungs. So he's on blood thinner. And they said, now he's very tall and not skinny. Sorry, dear. <laughs> um, and they always seem to, I mean, I know, you know, they know how tall you are. They weigh you. And they, I swear the entire time we've been married, which is almost 30 years, they always seem to give him the lowest possible dose of medications. Like, you know, he got some kind of infection and our daughter had had an infection, you know, not much sooner than him. And I'm looking at it going, there's no way in hell this prescription is going to fix what you've got. Mm-hmm. It's not strong enough. So he's on the blood thinners and they want to get his blood thinned out to a specific level so that the blood clots can dissolve and all will be well, hopefully. And he's going to the clinic and getting his blood tested and it's not thin enough, not thin enough. And they want, you know, we're normally we're like between a one and a 1.5. They want him at like 2.5, 2.8. He was at a 1.8 and he's like, Oh, we're almost there. He goes the next week's at a 7.8. I'm like, dude, don't even look at the knives. I'm like, oh my God. I was freaking out because I'm like, you know, if you bump something, I'm like, I'm surprised it's not, you know, seeping out your skin. I'm like, this is gross. (laughs) I was like really freaked out because I'm like, if they want you at a 2.5, the blood clots and you're like three times more than that, this is not good. So... The problem was he wasn't taking the medication right because the doses was wrong. Was like, because they gave him the wrong dosage instructions? Um, nobody's really sure who did who <laughs> screwed up where. It, it might have had a little blame to spread around, which is yeah. probably the most politically correct way of doing that. But Because I asked him because I know he's not, it's not super good on those things. But I was pretty sure I'm like, this is like a life threatening problem. This is not mm-hmm. something that he just, you know, like antibiotics, we can get a little bit lax because mm-hmm. it's just the way we are. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's not lax and, you know, we're doing it wrong. And he, and I, so I asked him and he's like, well, you know, and I'm like, okay, you need to do it exactly like the pharmacist said. And you need to get, guys got to get the dosage right. Right. <laughs> like I'm freaking out that, you know, we've got three golden retrievers that, and one of them's young and, and was a rescue and he loves my husband to death. And sometimes he just leaps. Yeah. Up. You know, he's like a 60 pound dog just like leaps up and like, wants, hey, I like I'm here. Catch me. And I thought, you know, a toenail scratching you. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom's arm from her little new little dog is not looking good because of the blood thinners. So yeah, it's, you have to be careful. Yeah. So unfortunately we're at the right level now good. and and they, it was interesting. It's like, one day, no, you can't walk the dogs. You can't exercise. Don't do this. Don't do that. And the next day, his blood's thinned out where they want. Like, feel free to exercise. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, right. in 24 hours, now all is back to normal? I don't think so. But we'll see. I guess we have to wait a couple months. So we probably have six or seven weeks. No, not that many. off of it? Um, so- then they'll test to see if the blood clots went away. Because mm-hmm. sometimes he still gets really out of breath. Mm. Um, you know, like bending over our oldest golden retriever wears shoes on his back feet when he walks because he's got nerve damage Mm. and he drags his toes. So as he drags his toes, the toenails get broken and then you get that's bloody. So if you're bending over to put the shoes on the dog, sometimes he stands up and he's dizzy and he's out of breath. And it's like, Mm. I'll do that. 
I'll put the shoes on the dog. <laughs> so it's just medications are just, it's just way too easy to do wrong. Right. And I'm a visual person, obviously being a photographer and an artist. So when I saw the pill map on the videos, like I said, it's linked. You guys got to go look at it. I was just like, ah, where was that when I needed it? Right. Well, you know, I have to say they are. I've been at enough meetings now where I've sat in just curious about how they're seeing it from the medical perspective. And they certainly know it's a huge problem. Uh, and it's, it's like a billion dollar problem. People coming back to the hospital solely because they have not taken their medications properly. So they, I heard an analogy that was really good. The, the, at the hospital, it's like, you know, they're getting you, um, they're doing everything they can to get you balanced and get you strong enough to now leave the hospital. But what they give you when you leave is a unicycle. And guess what? You don't know how to ride a unicycle. So it's, it's brand new. It's shiny. They said bicycle, but then I took it to unicycle. So it's, it's, you know, it's great, but it's literally going to hurt you more than help you. And yeah, it might be expensive and fancy schmancy. So they've been trying all these fancy schmancy ways to get, um, to help people in that process. So they're working. There are some processes that I was happy to see such as, um, bedside, um, um, medication discussion by the pharmacist. So I don't know how many of you have been involved with, they just, they don't have a discussion with you. They just check you out and tell you also to go to the pharmacy and you've got your patient. And, you know, so now they're bringing, at some hospitals, they're, they're bringing the medications to the bedside. They're talking to the family and them and the patient before they take them home. I would have, that would have changed my life. And that would have been a big help for us too. Yes, that I think, so there are some positive things and, um, and I learned that because they're incorporating pill map at that stage where they're, they're going to they're saying, you know, this is one of your, like if they would have told me it's an obstacle, they don't even tell you this is going to be an obstacle when you get home. They just tell you, here it is. So I just think the conversation has to happen. People have to be aware that it is going to be traumatizing. You're at your most emotional state when you're trying to figure that out for a loved one anyway. So you might be able to do it in a normal day, but when you're so emotional about, you know, saving someone's life or killing them, um, then you need something that's going to help you. So, um, and then they're also trying to work towards making medications where one medication will replace another one that you take three times a day. They're trying to come up. I only, I've just heard these, you know, at these meetings trying to come up with, is there medication equivalent that that person could just take one time a day? Because then you're going to eliminate some of the errors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that would help so a lot too. There's been some promising things I've heard. And I, I'd have to assume that because our population is aging, that 
we have more of these problems. So now they're realizing, oh, we got to do something about this because it just seems so logical. It's money. I, you know, I know that people are in, uh, you know, I have a brother that's a doctor, a daughter that's a nurse. They are fully, wholeheartedly want to save lives. Um, but the bottom line is that money's being wasted. Um, and that's what I heard from USC Farm School was that the numbers, I, don't, I think it's nationwide, were in the billions. I'm sure. And that could be spent for something so much better than readmitting someone and spending, you know, the night in the hospital just to now get your meds back in line. Yeah, if you're in the billions, you can offer care to more people. Exactly. We can do something, you know, like we when we were talking offline, I think we need we need to go to the next stage of memory care residences that are more people-centered. Right, I love that. And I'm going to go to the Dementia Village in, it's right outside Canada, or Canada, duh. <laughs> it's right outside Vancouver, and it's small. And my husband did the, um, not the translation, but, you know, the Canadian dollar back to the American dollar, because it said on the, they, they were supposed to open in April, they're opening at the end of the month. So when this episode comes out, they should be, moving in residence and it was I think 7,300 Canadian dollars so when he did the that word is just not coming conversion? in my head. conversion yeah, there you go that works I love it when a word just evades my brain <laughs> um he said that's like what we're spending for mom and where my mom is at they have a beautiful courtyard that the memory residents can go out into but at this point my mom's visual processing is so bad that, you know, you can show her something on your phone, like hold it right in front of her face. And she's just like looking around like, huh? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. really sad. But I think with the villages, they can, you know, if they, this is like massive community planning is like citywide. It's like, let's start a new city. And over in this corner, we're going to put in a dementia village and they can put in a school next to it so that the kids can go over there and interact with the seniors because there's so much benefit for the kids and the seniors, but even the people in the middle. Right. I learned when I talked to the gal that runs the adult day program here in town that incorporates one generation, one generation. Um, is that what it was called? No, it's um, the Celebration Centers here in Brentwood. And they have a, a school and a daycare. So, like, in the morning, the preschool kids will go spend 45 minutes or so with the seniors. And it's like an extra grandparent. Yeah. In the afternoon, the school-aged kids might come over, and they might get, you know, somebody will read to them. Maybe somebody that was a teacher or good at math might help them with math, even though their memories aren't great. Mm-hmm. They might be able to do, or they might do crafts with them or play a game and they just get that interaction that they're not right. going to get from mom and dad. Cause now we got to go home. We got to worry about homework and dinner and blah, 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 all the 500 chores. So if we yeah, have this dimension village, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are picking up the kids and the seniors are benefiting, even though they haven't been there. So mm-hmm. if we, my whole vision and I think, I have a grandmother that's 101, so I got plenty of life left to work on this. This is is where I think my life is going. (laughs) You got a dementia village. You put a school next to it, 
And then you also maybe put in like a community center next to it or somehow in it where you can have like this week is my support group meeting. So the support group meets there. So it's, they're part of the community, but they're still safe. You know, they're not locked in, but they're, they're kept in, which I'm not sure that's a much better word. And it just, I think with this whole, you know, this rise in the, in the number of people with Alzheimer's and dementia and, you know, like I've told people, my mom is 76, but we've been dealing with this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these people live a long time with this disease. So we need to figure out how not to just stick them over here in the corner. And we need to find a way to make it so that when they need 24 hour care, the average family can access it and not have right. to cut back on work or move in with them or have them move in with you. It's just the way we go about it is just a disaster. It's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm lucky that I live very close to my parents' home. So um, I have my independence, but like today, you know, I could be there in five minutes. So I feel very, very thankful when I talk to a lot of my friends that are at such a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really hard to honor those parents and we're all going to be there, you know, hopefully we're going to live that long as well. So we want to, we want to set some sort of pattern up. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, it's like my mom needs when, when my dad was on in the hospital in December of 2016, that's when it became obvious how bad my mom was. I knew she was bad. I mean, it's not like I didn't see them, but he was kind of a buffer and it was, and it, and I've learned a lot in the last 18 months. Um, the episode that came out this week, so everybody will know when we're recording this, um, is all just me talking and it's on how I use knowledge as a coping technique, because if I didn't learn the things that I've learned to deal with my mom, like I thought like a year ago, let's see, this is 2019, no, two, almost two years ago. I thought her issue with, I was trying to get her to do a really simple, basic craft project so that she would have something to give the grandchildren for Christmas. And she was always creative. She used to sew, she did woodworking. I mean, she did a lot of stuff. So this was in her wheelhouse. And I, I kept having to tell her what we were doing and why we were doing it. And no, you not can't screw this up. It's very simple. Look, see, this is what happens if you make a goof. See, gone. And I kept having to tell her over and over. I thought, man, I can't believe how bad her memory is. Well, it turns out the reason she had such struggles with this project is because what she's seen doesn't get translated properly in her brain. And I wish I'd known that then. I probably wouldn't have done the project. And we managed to make it through and I've got photographs of her and the little tile with the heart was with alcohol inks and the cheap version. You use Sharpie pens and alcohol, not fancy alcohol inks. So the kids, my daughter's an adult. My niece started high school this, this past week and my nephew's 10. So they all have something from grandma that I hope they will cherish when they're adults had I known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have tried that. But I kept trying, let's do the crafts. Oh, they're coloring. Oh, coloring is so relaxing. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just the knowledge helps me not to push her into places that she can't go. Right. 
Um, but when my dad, you know, we had to bounce her around, I had no idea how to coax them into the shower. You know, it would just be like, you know, it's, if you want to go see dad in the hospital, you got to get in the shower, you got to get dressed. Well, that doesn't work with adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So it's like, I've learned a ton and it's, yeah, it's, it's a club you don't want to join, oh, but we're, yeah. we're all in it. That's true. <laughs> but I just kind of feel like if there's some way, you know, like with what you're doing and now the medical in profession is working on ways to simplify medications so that there yeah. are less issues. I just think there's a lot of improvements we could do if we just, if we just don't, we're not afraid to say, right. you know, what, let's just try this crazy thing. Maybe it'll work. And if it doesn't, we'll just, we won't do it again. Well, and you were saying that knowledge has been your coping mechanism. Um, I really think that it, you do one or the other. You just crumble, and I've seen people do that, and it's just completely overwhelming. Or you stretch and you grow and you find out things that you would have never. You make connections with people. Uh, it's been, for me, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it's been a... a really crazy journey, you know, stretching and, um, and you just have to choose one or the other. Well, I've seen a lot of people turn into martyrs and I think it's because in their mind, and I'm thinking of a couple people, it's like, it's my mom. I wish she was like X. Why can't she be reasonable? I want to help her. I want to be respectful and I want to kill her. <laughs> right. And why me? Or the worst is when I had no relationship with her. With I, I hate this story. I had no relationship with my parents before. And now they're, you know, in this horrible state. And it's my responsibility. And they can't really mend the old bad. So that really breaks my heart. Yeah. That, that's a hard one. I actually did an episode on caregiver forgiveness Mm. and it was basically like, we have to put aside all of those childhood hurts. You know, we have to put all that baggage aside, which is extremely difficult. And, you know, cause my parents and I had a decent relationship, but there are things my mom says and does that. It's just like one day she was so rude to me and we were pretty close to the end of the visit. I'm like, if you're going to be like that, I'm done. And I turn around mm-hmm. and I walked out. I'm like, I'm not putting up with this crap. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's, and she's so advanced. I mean, I come home on Mondays and it's literally, there was one Monday I felt so bad. I was coordinating a, a, a group ride with our bicycle club president is a friend of mine. And she texted me and she says, do you have time to talk? And I said, no, I'm in my meeting. My husband and I are Rotarians. I said, I'm going to go see mom. We're going to the park to watch kids. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't ever get questioned by the police. Cause we're always, we like to go watch the little children at the pool. <laughs> it's like, we're just like creepy old ladies watching the kids at the park. And so I said, when I get mom settled, I will call you Well, we were sitting there in the park. It was hot, but it was windy. And in the shade, it was all good. And about an hour later, I was like, oh, crap, I was supposed to call her. So I text her and I said, sorry, I'll call you when I get home. I was so exhausted when I got home. Mm -hmm. I literally just passed out in the guest room because it's darker in there and and slept for two hours. 
Mm-hmm. And I, t- I called her the next day. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I should have just warned you. I'm useless Monday night. <laughs> I just, my brain does not function. It's worked for two people for two or three hours. I can't, I can't do it. And she's like, Oh, I understand. You know, sh- she's a widow and her husband had had cancer. So she's, you know, kind of familiar with the routine, but it's hard. Well, I lost my husband uh, five years ago. He had a massive heart attack in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. And he was perfectly healthy and rode bikes and, you know, did the hundred mile rides and all of that. And I think that what I, one, I've learned to really cherish relationships in life and, and that, but this, this ride with, with the dementia is, is long and it is a marathon. Like it's, you have to, you have no time to train for it, but you have to pace yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I go once a week. A lot of it too is because it's like, she doesn't remember I'm there. I mean, literally I was there one day for two hours. I got up and used the ladies room, came back and she looked at me and she goes, well, hi, um, where'd you come from? And I was like, are you kidding me? I don't get yeah. any credit for any 120 minutes. Zero. Right. No. Like, you have to pat yourself on the back and give yourself a treat. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I started shortening them, but now we go out, like I said, watch children. <laughs> We've gone to the library and my hometown has a, the city park has like a splash zone. Um, oh. You know, the water shoots up out of the ground. Right. Little play area for the kids. And that's great because it's free, but it's just like literally drive from my house Pick up mom for like 15 miles away, drive back this way. I'm driving back and forth all the time. And, you know, she'll tell me, well, I don't know where we're going, but it must be really far away. I'm like, like, well, you're doing a good thing. At the end of the day, you can't regret doing the right thing. No. And it's easier. We used to visit, I swear, there are so many Dianes in my mother's memory residence. There was, there was three of them. Now there's just the two. The nurse practitioner that saw her last week was a Diane. I'm like, could you guys come up with some new names, please? It's very confusing. But we used to sit and talk. And it was easier, even with two ladies with Alzheimer's, you know, and they'd repeat themselves, but they would talk to each other and it would kind of give me a little bit of a break. But the first Diane got very paranoid and really, really, really bossy, like just the worst obnoxious bossy. And her daughters took her out. And I think it was because she was causing issues. I never saw issues. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the vibe that I got when I found out that she'd moved out. Cause like literally one week she's there and the next week she's gone. I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It's like my mom's friend. Although my mom had been separating from her quite a bit, which was good because like one day I show up and she's literally got a lap full of clothes, like a whole laundry basket of clean clothes that she's just hanging on to. And I said, oh, my goodness, what are you doing with all your laundry? Would you like me to put that away for you? Oh, my gosh, she practically bit my head off. I'm like, oh, you're fine. They did have a gal that was um, one of those types that constantly moved around, and whatever she saw was hers. And the two of those ladies, I'm surprised that there was an actual physical confrontation. There might have been. So that when everyone's mobile, that would be a big issue. So I didn't deal with that. My dad wasn't mobile, but I think he would have like taken off, you know, down the street if he could have. 
I'm surprised my mom, I was concerned about that because I considered a board and care home. There are two in my neighborhood and I thought, oh, that'd be great. I could zip my bike down, walk the dogs down. I thought, oh, this would be great. You, know, you could pop in for half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, she's 10, 12, 15 minutes away and I got to pass two schools to get there. So you got to time that one right. You know, it's not far. And if I need to go over there, I can. But I thought, you know, first when she moved into the memory care, she had her dog until they renovated last summer. And that's when they said, um, <clears throat> the dog doesn't remember if she needs to go outside a lot of time. Like, that's fine. Oh. The dog was always a struggle with my sister and I because she should have weighed 15 pounds and she weighed 27. Oh. I swear, I kept waiting for the day to show up and just them telling me, oh, I'm sorry, but Misty exploded. (laughs) (laughs) And we did everything, the executive director and the med techs and the staff. We all had this program, okay? I bought new dishes, Mm -hmm. calorie-restricted food, a new scoop. And I said, okay, the med techs will feed the dog half a cup of food in the morning, half a cup of food at night, and that's it. She don't need anymore. She runs around. She, I mean, I could not believe this dog could haul around this huge bone. <laughs> but she, you know, dogs need, they need structure. And she didn't have any structure. And she just, she was starting to get really nutsy. There was one day with my mom and I had been out. We got back. I let the dog out. The dog literally ran circles around the courtyard looking for my mom. I told the dog to do her business. The dog looked at me like, go yourself. <laughs> I let her in, in, I'm like, fine, it's 110 degrees out here. I'm not standing out here with this dumb dog. You don't got to go. You don't got to go. Open the door. She walks in, pees right on the rug. I'm like, ugh. And they were kind of like, yep, that's the dog. I'm like, no, that's not okay. So my sister and I had been struggling with, at what point do we rehome the dog? I'm already struggling with that with my mom. Well, your mom doesn't have memory loss, so... She doesn't, but she has a dog, a new dog, because her her dog passed away and we got her a new dog. And um, the caregivers aren't cool with it because there's training that has to be done. It's not a puppy, but there has to be structure. So, right. you know, I bring my laptop there and I go a day and the dog's fine if, if it has structure, like you said. Yeah. But I think animals are really great for mem- people with memory problems. I bring my youngest... Um, my youngest golden is a rescue. Um, and he's also a Gemini. So my, my apologies for Gemini. I'm about to lay one out here. He is the sign of the twins. Because <laughs> he's super loving, what? sweet, cuddly. You open the sliding glass door to the backyard. Our backyard fence is three feet high. And it opens up to like 600 acres of open space. Three seconds from the door over the fence. He will come back when he is tired or hot. Um, you can bang on the food bowl. He, like one night he's escaped at dinner time and I'm out there banging on the food bowl. Hey, you want to come get some dinner? And he hadn't eaten all day. He'd had breakfast. And this was like 11 hours later. I figured, you know, for sure he's going to want to eat. I get like looking at him through binoculars. He looks over at me. No, <laughs> for two and a half hours with no food. He hadn't had food for like 14 hours. I'm like, this dog. Mm. So I take him with me occasionally. The ladies love him. Goldens are great comfort dogs. They are. My oldest does not like going there. The, first, the only time I took him there, he laid under the chair. He had his back to me. He had his back to me. I'm like, 
I don't think he likes it here. I haven't taken the girl dog. That might be coming up. You know, when the weather's yeah. to the point where I can't go out and watch children. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea to bring the dog. Yeah. It just, you gotta have something for them to interact with. And my mom can't, she doesn't have conversational skills anymore because she uses the wrong words and she'll start telling you something. And it's like, I have no idea what any of that right. means. Right. And, you know, she can't do the little activities that they have. So, you know, it's like you either sit there and she says, so what have you been up to lately? <laughs> I know. Uh, Just talk. Just talk. Well, and she says, she'll ask me, how's your family? I'm like, are you talking John and I? Or did yeah. you want to know about Laura and Paul? And she just <laughs> looks at me like, yeah, no idea what you're talking about. I mean, I just get this disgusted, you're an absolute flaming idiot expression. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll just, well, a lot of times like, oh, they're fine. We're fine. And then she asked me, how many children do you have? I'm like, one. <laughs> I know my dad, uh, when I knew that he was pretty far gone, he asked if I was his wife. And I said, no. I think I sent that over to you. I look a lot like her though. Oh, okay. Well, I, I married that girl and he pointed to the TV and she was really cute, you know, and how'd you meet her? She plays tennis and I just threw her the best ball. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that even remotely true? No, no. That was just fantasy. Yeah. I yeah. get weird. My it's mom really doesn't. Yeah. My mom doesn't remember that my dad is gone, mm. which is very interesting. And she doesn't remember the dog has been rehomed either. And that's been a year this week. I love it how she can remember the dog and the dog's name, but not who I am. These yeah. are the things that you have to forgive. It's like, seriously. I know it, it does. My dad accused me of stealing. Well, he told my mom, they'll never forgive Kimber. And she said, for what? For stealing all my money from my credit union, something like that. And I had been telling my mom for days, weeks, Mom, don't don't believe anything Dad says. Don't take it personally because it's not like something he's been holding in forever. And she's like, I know, but he says this, says that. And I said, just don't let it get you. But when my dad said that about me, I was kind of hurt. I was like, really, you know Dad? I've never taken a penny from you. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's really, it's because they're confused. They don't know where the money went. No, it's something, it's beyond that. I think it has nothing to do with anything. It's like a combination of a commercial on TV and a, if you could see through their eyes, I don't know. It, you can't make sense of it. And that's a really common accusation, which yeah. I have not gotten. I don't get the common ones. I get the weird stuff. <laughs> I ask people, have you ever dealt with X? And right now I'm not coming up with the, the situation that I've had that people are like, huh, I'm not sure how to answer that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't get the common ones, but it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's a crazy ride. Yeah. But yeah, you know, my mom, she just, it's easier to sit and watch children play in the water or play at the park or whatever, and just sit comfortably yeah. quiet together. Sometimes I read a book and Sometimes I answer emails right. on my on my cell phone. I'm getting really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Not my my preferred keyboard, but getting better with the thumbs. So, you know, it's just I'm trying to find ways of making giving her pleasure that doesn't 
make me feel like my brain is being killed. Good. And, and it's physically, you know, it's hard. She does not, is not able, because her visual processing is shot, when she if, she, if there are shadows or we were at the water park, which I say water park, it's one owned by the city, so it's not like a water world or one of those kind of water parks. It's a more family-friendly, simplified water park. Mm-hmm. And the water on the pavement, to her, looked treacherous. So she's trying to step around all the dark parts on the sidewalk. So she looks like she's walking through a place with landmines. Or if her feet hit the grass, or God forbid those stupid blind bumps outside the grocery store. I hate those for myself because I always seem to like trip over them when I'm in heels. Me too. And then someone's always witnesses it. Yeah. (laughs) And it rattles the cart. Well, when she hits something that's not hard flat, like, you know, the, the wood floor or the cement, she literally, her feet stop moving so the top half of her body is still moving. So she's, it's like a, when you slam on the brakes in a car, yeah. that's what she does. And she's very, she's got a very large curvature hump back. Mm. She's going to land on her face and she won't hold my hand or take my elbow. She will not accept any what help. What is that? I, note to self, I am going to accept people's arms. I am going to use a cane if I need it. And I'm going to use a walker if I need it because I do not want to break my hip when I'm that old. Yeah, it's like, it's, so when we go to the park, I have to find the shady spot very, very close to the pavement. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, just getting settled. It's like, okay, yeah, (laughs) now I need a nap. (laughs) So what's nice about our city park is it's, there's a lot of um, walkways and they're wide and, but we walked across the, um, surface that's under the play equipment and it's squishy mm. for, you know, in case they fall off. Sure. Yeah. My mom, you should have seen her wa- avoid doing that. It was hysterical. <laughs> I'm like, I hope these people in the park understand that I'm not abusing you because <laughs> she's doing all these funny moves. And, and she also walks like three feet behind me. Oh, it's, it looks like I'm just an inconsiderate jerk. Right. Right. You're walking too fast. But if I stop, she stops. You need a t-shirt that says something. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not an inconsiderate jerk. Her vision is her. It's I'm actually visiting my mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got the, um, like the binocular vision. So if you put your hands on your eyes, like look down at your chest, you can't even see your chest. That's why a lot of times they've got food on themselves. They don't even notice. She has macular. Is it macular? No, it's the brain. Her brain oh. does not process oh. what's being what's the input into her eyes gets scrambled up in her brain. Oh. Hmm. I can relate slightly because I have lazy eye. So my brain only uses the input from one eye at a time. Mm. So I have no depth perception. Being an artist. I know. Oh no, you're a photographer. Yeah. So it's, you know, I have to be especially careful with watching backgrounds Mm-hmm. because you don't want a tree coming out of somebody's head. And for me there, I need glasses to see distance. Now that I'm almost 53, I need glasses to see close up. <laughs> but I have to like pay attention to the background more. Cause for me it's blurry and it's compressed and it doesn't, it doesn't look the same through the camera as it does in a print, mm-hmm. but I've just learned. I mean, it's been this way my entire life. So it's normal for me. I don't have problems driving. I'm not like tailgating people all the time 
or anything. So it's normal for me. So I can relate to her, but it's still really crazy. It's just the journey is, is insane. But I love it how, you know, you came up with a solution to a problem because of this journey. And I was looking for a supplement to our support group. And there wasn't a good podcast that answered the questions that I could stand listening to. So I came up with my own. Right. And right now it's just a labor of love. But someday when it's big enough, it'll be a different story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I like about this journey is that it's, it brings out a different spirit in us that I don't think we knew we had. Agreed. So everybody needs to check out and buy this pill map and they can buy it through that website. Yes. And it's actually cheaper from our website than it is from Amazon. Yay. And, and the website will, um, like you said, it, you'll understand it better than my description verbally. Once you see it, you'll see how simple it can make your life. (laughs) When, when I saw it, I was like, why is this not a thing that happened 30 years ago? I know. Originally, we made it with where you had to replace your pill map when medications changed. But then, brilliant, my sister-in-law said, just why don't you provide erasable pens? And then they can take a pill out when medications change and rewrite it. And we're like, brilliant. <laughs> we'll sell less, but you never have to buy another one. You just can erase and rewrite and replace. So I think they need to be in every pharmacy because I think so, but I think people have to, um, there's no, nothing like it. So people don't understand it. They think it's a pill box. They think they have to fill it every day, which would be ridiculous. Um, so I think once the hospitals are actually providing them, um, continuously, then it'll become more of a common thing. And then, then we'll go into the pharmacies, I think. And you've been out about nine months? Um, since December. This is middle of, or today is August 6th. Yeah, yeah. So when people are yeah. hearing this, it'll come out, this episode will come out on the 27th of August. So okay. that's about nine months, close. Okay. Sometimes yeah. I can do math. <laughs> yeah, and some care centers, um, senior facilities, um, and home care providers, they are are picking them up for their their patients that are, you know, having um, multiple medications. Well, I would think for anybody, because I was looking at it and thinking, I wonder if this is something that would help the med techs where mom lives. And it might, but they'd have to have a drawer full of them. I'll show them the video next week and see what they think. Well, the way we designed it for a a facility is where it would just slip into the notebook sleeve. So every every occupant, every resident, there's probably a notebook that they refer to for that, that um, patient or occupant resident. And so it just slips right in. I think they do. I'll have to, I'll yeah. show them and see what they think, but yeah. they're at least trained in medication management. Whereas like when my dad came out of the hospital, it's like, here, poof, you guys figure it out. It's like, um, I'm well, a but you know, my mom was mismedicated with the, the blood thinners at a rehab after she broke her neck, they did it. And they, they are the med techs, but it's because they change shifts all the time. One doesn't relay something to the next. So I don't know. It's, it's just our, it's our family's way of feeling that all of this has not been for naught and we're going to change the system. 
<laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad that you had the, the light bulb moment to say, there's got to be a better way. And you didn't just wait for somebody else to do it. No, I, I, if it was out there, I would have been probably, but now I'm glad there wasn't because it's been a very fun journey, but, um, I was shocked that there wasn't something like it. Yeah. When I looked at the video the other day, it was like, that's my sister-in-law. That's my sister-in-law. Okay. I was like, we're a home. It's my, my son did the other video. He does uh, commercials and stuff. And my, uh, daughter works for, um, you know, she's in operations and then the nurse and then uh, finance. So we've been, it's been a group effort. Uh, and we assemble ourselves and we, if you get a pack from us, it came from us. Like we, we, Oh, you do the packaging and shipping too. Yes, we do. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, we do. So, um, everybody go ahead. The hospitals they are done in a bigger batch, but from the website we just package them and send them out. Well, that's, that's it. I've heard those kind of stories. Those, <laughs> those, uh, side hustle stories. Everybody <laughs> needs to go to pillmap.com. There's a link in the show notes. So you can just touch the button and go because it's the coolest thing I've seen in the 18 months I've been doing this. And I've seen a lot of cool projects and companies that have been born out of this, this journey that we're all, all on. <laughs> so I wish you guys the best of luck. And I'm sure we'll talk again. So that's it for another week. Thanks for tuning in. A little housekeeping. You definitely should be following me on social media. I'm working on the YouTube page. And by the time you hear this, it might actually be worth checking out. That would be under Fading Memories Podcast on YouTube. Also, Facebook is Fading Memories Podcast. And Instagram is Alzheimer's Podcast. I've left all those links in the show notes. And I hope to see you guys online. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.